Okay, so we're going to look at Genesis chapter 19, verses 4 through 8, to start this out. And so this is the account of um, Abraham, and he is concerned because he has just found out that Sodom is going to be destroyed for their sin. Um, and there's all kinds of sin happening. It's, it's not just like one particular thing that they're doing that they're being condemned for. They are doing a lot of things. And so Abraham is concerned for Lot. And God listens to Abraham and says, okay, well, I will send some angels into Sodom to talk to Lot for you and to warn him and to tell him to get out. And so in verse 4, this is what we'll pick up with. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all of the people to the last man surrounded the house. That is the house where the angels were now in. And they called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them to us that we may know them. Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you. And do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. All right, so what I want us to see first is that obviously the Old Testament takes sexual sin really, really seriously. Right? We're not just talking about like a certain type of sexual sin. We're talking about any type of sexual sin. The Bible is very clear that any type of sin is bad, and not only bad, it needs to be repented of and forgiven by God. So let's look in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The Apostle Paul, um, in, in verses 9 through 11, he says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous, that is, unbelievers, will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God. What Paul is telling us is, and what he would tell these people here in Sodom is, is listen, your sin is unrighteous in the eyes of God. And what you need to do with all of your sin is to confess it before the Lord, repent, and ask Him to forgive you. The reason being is because it is your sin in front of a holy, perfect God that condemns you. And so it's actually your desire for sin, your act of sin, that will keep you out of heaven. It's, it's not God being a difficult, hard man. It's not him being a mean father. It's simply the fact that he has called you to a certain way of life that is a God-honoring, God-pursuing way of life, and you are living in the opposite way. And so what you need to do if you desire to inherit the kingdom is to confess your sin and search for the Lord. So the thing is, though, here in, in Genesis 19, and this is why we spent so much time in Genesis 1 and 2 talking about the way in which God created us, right? We spent maybe like 30 whole minutes talking about the way that God created us as man and woman and how he created us for one another for the purpose of, or at least one of the purposes of 
having children and our children having children and then ruling the earth together. Well, here, what we have to understand is that we, we can't actually see what the Lord is doing here in Genesis 19 unless we understand Genesis 1 and 2. Right? He, he tells them, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Right? The, the men of the city have just said, all, like old and young alike, they have said, bring the angels out to us so that we may know them. Well, I, here's what they don't want to do. They're not like, hey, send them out so we can become friends with them. Right? We know that's not true. Why? Because Lot says, no, 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 don't take the men, take my two daughters. I'll give them as a sacrifice for these men. So the, the knowing that these men want to do is, is, a, is a specific type of knowing. Right? They don't want to become buddies. You get what I'm saying? And so to understand why that's wrong, why that's bad, we have to understand what God created us for. What actually is a good expression of our sexuality? Right? Because obviously this is not a good expression. This is, this is not a good view. It's not a good look for these men. And law is begging them not to go through with it. So what is a good expression of our sexuality? And before we talk about that, um, let's just confess that there are a lot of people who would say, yeah, okay, well, here's what's happening. They're actually just condemning rape. The, the Bible is not talking about homosexuality. It's talking about rape. Well, I don't think that's true either because Lot offers his daughters as a sacrifice, right, to stand in their place. And that seems pretty wicked, doesn't it? But in Lot's mind, what he is doing is he is protecting these messengers of God. Right? He is protecting the very name of God in offering his daughters as a sacrifice. He is withholding nothing from the Lord in this moment. Not even the most precious thing he has on this earth being these two lovely girls. And so we can't just say he is condemning rape here because it doesn't fit with the story. We can try to say that if we want, but it doesn't fit in with the way the story is told. What we have to understand, especially on topics like this, is that we don't have the freedom to come to these stories and simply insert details that make it sound better for us. Right? We don't have the freedom to add things or to take away things to make them less extreme or to make them less scary or to even lighten the burden of sin in our minds. Right? Sometimes it's like, thou shalt not lie. Well, <laughs> big lies. Right? No, thou shalt not lie. Yeah, but the same thing about white lies. Right? We, we do that because we are sinners. We always try to make the Bible less aggressive when it's confronting our sin. And we've got to be careful that we don't do that with a topic like this because it is emotionally sensitive. Look with me in Jude chapter 1. Well, there's only one chapter, so it's Jude 1.7. But Jude is actually talking about this story in particular, and he says this. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah 
and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. So again, we see this sexual sin being something that God doesn't overlook. He doesn't look at it and say, okay, well, yeah, it's not really that big of a deal. I'll give you a pass this time. But I'm telling you, if you do it again, you're getting a whooping. Right? That's my life, by the way. Like, my boys, I'm just constantly saying, do it one more time. I dare you. Right? And so it's like a little bit of grace in the first one. And in the second one, you're getting a spanking. And then they do it, and they get spanked. But God seems to be saying here through Jude, Sodom and Gomorrah, they were given their warning, and because they disobeyed, because they didn't listen to God's warning, their sin actually led to their destruction. There were no second chances. But there's something else more interesting here in in Jude. He says, they indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire. Well, here's a question for you. Who gets to define what is natural and what is unnatural? Who gets to define that? Because the Bible says it very clearly. Now, the real question is, who gets to define it? Because one of the answers to that question is, well, I get to define it based on whatever I feel. But if we are to be people of the Bible, we don't go to our feelings first. We submit our feelings to the Word of God. So what does God's Word say about this word unnatural? Well, look with me in Leviticus 18.22. Hey, and if you have a phone, you can feel free to fire that bad boy up and follow along in your Bible app. Leviticus 18.22, it says, You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Here's the, here's the thing that we have to understand. Homosexuality is not a sin because there are some people that, that don't like it. right? And I would even say that the people that just don't like homosexuality or don't like gay people, I would say probably there's a good chance they may be sinning too. But the Bible calls homosexuality, same-sex actions, a sin, not because I want it to, but because it does. But also, and this is linked to Genesis 1 and 2, because homosexuality is not an action that gives glory to God. It's it's not an expression of who we are as men and who we are as women that gives glory to God as our creator. Right? What, What homosexuality does, the reason that Jude calls it unnatural is it actually serves us, the creature, and does not serve the creator, God. Like all of our sin, like Eve's very first sin when she took of the fruit, our sin says, hey, I know what you've said, God. I know how you've created us. I know the things that you've told us, but I'm doing this. 
And, and so I want, I want you to see that really clearly, that the Bible is not expressing any sort of hate towards same-sex attractive people or people living in gay relationships. What it's saying is it's, it's warning us, all of us, that the way we are living is not the way God desires us to live. It's not saying, how dare you? It's saying, be warned, stop. Do you, do you realize that this whole story in Genesis 19, when the angels go to Sodom, do you realize that God could have just said, there's no use, I'm just going to wipe them off the, the map? I'm not sending the angels. I'm just going to rain fire from heaven. God could have said that, but he didn't. Why? Because he's long-suffering. He's a good, gracious God that gives us opportunity to understand his desire for us. In our sin, in our rebellion, in our rejection, he doesn't just come into the garden and kick Adam and Eve in their chest and say, get out! Right? He comes in, and he's like, listen, I know I'm God, I know I already know everything, but what happened here? Right? I do that sometimes, not because I'm God, because I'm not, but we have this camera in Max and Calvin's room, and sometimes we'll see like what happens. One time Calvin fell out of the top bunk, and like we saw it happen live, and I'm like, oh man, uh, he's not here, he's fine. Um, but then I go into the room, and I'm like, boys, what happened? I already know what happened. But I want to give them the opportunity to tell me what happened. I, I want to give them the opportunity to express their brokenness to me so I can bring them in and care for them. So I can bring them in and teach them. So I can bring them in and point them in the direction that they need to go. God could have wiped it off the map but he waits. He waits for them to hear what they are doing wrong and what they need to do to make it right. How do we know that? Well, right after Leviticus 18 is Leviticus 19 and then Leviticus 20. Leviticus 20, 26 says this, you shall be holy to me for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. What is the purpose of God creating all of these things? What is the purpose of him allowing us to sin and then redeeming us by the blood of Jesus? Do you want to know what the purpose is? God is holy and he wants to make us holy that you should be mine. Listen, y'all, if y'all are struggling with these things or any number of sins that you have in your life, I want you to realize that the Lord is being kind to you in letting you live. For every single one of us living in sin, the Lord is being kind to us in letting us live. And a part of that kindness is 
putting people like me, putting people like your small group leaders into your life to help you understand God's desire for you. Putting your godly friends in your life to help you live out that godly desire in your daily life. Giving you maybe, hopefully, Lord willing, godly parents to disciple you in the ways of the Bible. None of this is simply about God saying, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad, you're real good, you're bad, you're awful. Right? That, that's, that's not what he's doing. What, what we see in the Bible is that God is holy and separated from us because of our sin, and yet he has offered Jesus Christ as a sacrifice so that anyone would tr- who would trust in him who would confess their sin and believe that he died for that very sin, can be united with him, that we should be his. And so God allowing you to live in your sin right now is a kindness to you. It's it's sending his word, the very words of his mouth, into your life as a warning. Not a message of hate, a warning to come to him and to be wrapped up in his arms. So what does the New Testament say? So we'll look at Romans chapter 1, verses 21 through 27. Hey, y'all realize too, like, usually I'll give like some... some Usually they're not funny. They're only funny because of how awkward and weird I am. But sometimes I'll give some funny stories, which are just kind of weird and awkward, but you laugh anyways because you feel super uncomfortable, right? I get it. I understand. I'm 31. I've got four children. I realize I'm not funny anymore. I know that you're not laughing with me. You're laughing at me. But at this point, I'll take any of it, okay? Any sort of chuckle or giggle, I chalk up as a victory, but I'll have like some stories or I have some little illustrations, and I think those are good and well. I use them when I preach. But what I want you to know is that we don't really have a lot of time for that stuff. What we're talking about in this series, what does the Bible say about, is so important that I have not given a lot of time and thought into like cute stories. I want you to be confronted with the Word of God and to hear what God has to say to us, and I want it to affect you. I want it to, to, to cause you to have some sleepless nights if you need to have sleepless nights. I want it to heal you where you need to be healed. I want it to, to, to be a, a type of medicine for your wounds where you are wounded. And so if you're just thinking like, all he's doing is like teaching the Bible every Sunday. Not Sorry. Y'all, there's, there's not much time. And I'm not just talking about tonight. I'm talking about in general. There's not much time. Y'all don't have a lot of time to get these things figured out. In the blink of an eye, I'm 31 and not even remotely funny anymore. And in another blink of an eye, I'm going to have a hard time like even picking stuff up like from counter height, right? See, John Fott knows. (laughs) So actually I lied about all of that funny story. 
Um, when I went to Uganda, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> when I went to Uganda with John Fought, I may or may not or may have, but definitely did see John Fought do the worm. So um, he may have almost died. I don't know. Um, but there were like, some sounds and some, I was a little concerned a couple of times. Um, and then the weird thing is for the rest of the trip, he didn't use his arms when he walked at all. It was a little, um, he like levitated everywhere. I was like, that's pretty sweet, John. Why don't you do that more often? Um, anyways, man, I am still funny. Um, <laughs> just joking. See, you get a good laugh and then you say a weird thing like, man, I am funny. It's another thing that happens when you get old is the stuff that's supposed to stay in your head like accidentally comes out of your mouth. Um, so anyways, there's that. So that's what you have to look forward to. But Romans chapter 1, verse 21 through 27. And we're going to kind of pick it up here a little bit. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. <clears throat> and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. So one of the messages of the New Testament, so the Old Testament, what we end up having is the, the creation of all things, the fall into sin, and then God collects a people for himself, right? That's through Abraham, and then eventually he collects the people of Israel. He creates a people that are his people, and then he gives them the law of God through Moses on Mount Sinai, and he has this people that he has collected live by this law of life. Well, one of the things they realize very quickly is that this law can't actually make them righteous before God. It's, it's only a temporary sacrifice, so he will not destroy them. Well, by the time we come to the New Testament, all of the New Testament basically says, that's right, the law is not sufficient for making you righteous. You do need a sacrifice, but it's not one of bulls and goats. It's the Son of God. <clears throat> and so by the time we get to the New Testament, we, we realize, okay, yes, we're all fallen in sin. We all sin. We are all disordered in our minds and in our thinking and in our actions because of the sin that we have in our lives. But the good news of the gospel is that the gospel renews who we are. The good news of the gospel is that through the Holy Spirit being given to us, our lives are reordered in a way that honors God. Right? So the Holy Spirit is working in us. From the moment of our salvation till the day that we die as followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is reordering our lives. 
It's causing us to see in our, in our lives the areas in which we are sinning and to put those things off, to cast them away, to fight, to do war, to wage battle against those things in our life. That's, that's, the, that's the huge message of the New Testament. Well, here in Romans, Paul is specifically talking about homosexuality as one of the ways that we are disordered in sin. Not the only way, right? Because we're not here again saying homosexuality is the only bad thing and this church de- denounces homosexuality. We, we don't denounce homosexuality. We, would, we denounce sin of any kind. The Apostle Paul here is not saying, hey, by the way, these people, the only thing they did wrong was they were same-sex in same-sex relationships. He, he says they do a lot of things. They were actually idolaters. They, they gave up serving God for serving sticks and stones. That was one of the ways in which they were living in sin. But specifically, he speaks to homosexuality as being one of the disorders that we may suffer because we are sinners. So what happened and what Paul is saying here, when he's saying they lived contrary to nature, he's saying homosexuality is a way in which you live serving yourself and your sin and not your creator. I want to be really clear about that. Their, Their sin was so important to them that it became the very thing in their life that they worshipped. So much so that they claimed to know God, but they would not serve God. Because they were so confused by their sin that they actually began to serve themselves. And they were only paying lip service to the Lord. They had exchanged everything that God had made them for, for a lie. They gave up the good things that God had given them for a lie. So, like I said before, one of the things that we may be tempted to do is to try and define these words natural and nature and unnatural and abomination to try to define these things in a, in a way that makes us feel better, right? That kind of lightens the load. We can just say, okay, yeah, I know, I agree, I see it. I see that Paul is clearly saying in the Word of God that men gave up relations with women and women gave up relations with men to have relationships with one another. I see it, I get it, but... It's not what you think. That's one of the temptations that we will face as we read this right now. And maybe you're having that same temptation in your mind right now. But like I said before, these words aren't defining these men and women. The Bible never says these men are unnatural. These women are unnatural. Guess what? We are just like them. What defines them is an unnatural action. It's not simply who they are, 
but what they are doing that places them against what God created them for. Because in and of themselves, as men and women, they are who God created them to be. Men and women. It's their desire for one another that Paul is saying is, is not natural. It's not what God created you for. And so he's condemning what they're doing. And I just want to be clear with you, by the way, I, I, I really do think and believe that a part of our sin nature is struggling against sin. Having temptations to sin come into our life and fighting those battles. One of those temptations for sure, is same-sex attraction. And so if you're struggling with same-sex attraction right now and you're trying to, to serve the Lord and you don't want to be that way, what I'm telling you is that I think that that is just a temptation that you are certainly facing right now, but maybe that's a temptation you will face for the rest of your life. And so what you need to do is you need to wage war against temptation, just like me. Every day is getting up and waging war against my sin. And so don't sit here and think, well, I'm same-sex attracted, I'm weird, I don't fit in here. You fit right in with us. And we will help you battle, just like all of us have to battle. All right, so let's define real quick what natural to God is. So if there are natural and unnatural sexual expressions, what are they? Well, natural to God, according to Paul, is God's good created order. That is, what is natural is what God created us for. So, unnatural has to be everything that's outside of that. Whether a husband is cheating on his wife, whether a woman has two boyfriends, whether you are looking at something on your phone, or whether you are in a same-sex relationship. All of these things are the same. The Bible doesn't make one worse than the other. It simply calls them sin, and it tells us that we must repent and confess and seek the Lord in those moments. So what do we do now? How, how do we move forward from this place? You may say, I, I am same-sex attracted or I am in a same-sex relationship, but I, I want to, to honestly pattern my life after God's Word. What do we do? Well, Paul tells us right after all of this in Romans 2, he says, Therefore, after learning all of this, knowing who God is and knowing what you're doing, therefore you have no excuse, O man, Every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on one another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience? not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, but because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. So what do we do? 
we are to see God's kindness and patience as an opportunity to confess our sin. If you are sitting here today and you have heard any of God's word, then you are to see God's patience and kindness as a gift to repent and confess, to seek his forgiveness, and to believe the gospel, to trust in Jesus, and then fight with everything that you have, with all of the resources that God has given you, your parents, your friends, your pastor, fight your sin. Because the alternative is to presume that God is so gracious, so kind, so patient, that you actually wait too long. And then the day comes where you have to answer and you have no answer.